Hi there. Welcome to listeners from across the globe. My name is Allison Nune, and this is Best Damn Reality, a new podcast intending to help bridge the spiritual and material worlds. Each week, I invite you to join me and to suspend all preconceived notions, to open your minds and your hearts to seeing everything from a much faster perspective. Should you be enticed enough, please also consider visiting me on my YouTube channel and on my business Facebook page, both under the name Allison Nune. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey. Episode 13.4 Today's date, October 26th, 2020 in Sarasota, Florida. Today, this will be my last interim recording before I get back to the scheduled programming, if you will, for the podcast. And I decided to do one more for a number of reasons, but the most salient or powerful reason, I suppose, is anybody that knows me just a little bit knows I kind of have a thing for for numbers and dates and and I find meaning in a lot of different like coded ways unique to my own life but but numbers in ways that are unique to my own life but then in more general ways like with numbers and 4 is the number that I primarily Reference as like my number and somebody that was a very recent enormous teacher for me a very 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 close relationship to me with me for years um, had a front row seat to my world for a lot of years and his number is 13 So, (laughs) episode 13.4 is sort of being recorded with um, thoughts of him on my soul, on my mind, on my heart. Um, Had to sort of part ways with this person. Don't know to what extent, uh, if any, our paths will cross again. But he is definitely at the forefront of my mind as I want to share some thoughts here today. Another person on the forefront of my mind is somebody who, with whom I worked at my very first corporate job right out of college. I was, uh, I did an internship with them, two internships with them actually, before graduating with my undergraduate degrees uh, with PricewaterhouseCoopers and I met this gentleman at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and even though I have not seen him in two decades, I always remember his birthday. He's not on Facebook, um, but every year on his birthday, which is October 24th, I send him a text or an email, and we just connect. And it usually takes him a couple of days, um, and he responds, and we just touch base. And this particular guy, oh my gosh, there's one very, very specific memory that I will never forget and why I believe he and I are intended to cross paths again. More that I, I believe we're intended to come together in some sort of project to serve the world. Um, You know, not necessarily a huge project, uh, but something, a project out in the world, a work project to go out into the world and meet a need. And the reason I feel this is because of this initial or early connection. It didn't happen the first day we met, but it happened when we were both We were both full-timers, I think. I can't remember if we were both interns. I'm pretty sure we were both full-timers 
at this point. And we went out with our team or with the interns. I think we were interns. And we went out to lunch and there were a whole slew of us, probably eight, you know, 12 plus, 12 to 18 people. And I just remember, you know, wherever we went, I don't remember where we went, but we were all on, you know, just one long table. And somebody brought up, somehow this particular book came up. And we were the only two at the table who had a clue. So it must have been he or I that brought it up. Because no one else at the table knew what the heck we were talking about. But it instantly, instantly connected us. And that book was by an author named James Redfield. And the book is called The Celestine Prophecy. In fact, this book is one of the books that I put into my top five list of most influential spiritual books for me that sort of kept me seeking and played a huge role in finally guiding me to what I would call my point of no return, which was on November 18th, 2010. The Celestine Prophecy was followed up by the 10th Insight, the 11th Insight, the 12th Insight, and I do think there's a book on the 13th Insight as well. The first book had, it was like this modern-day Indiana Jones-type fictional book, but was definitely, it was based on this spiritual journey to find these hidden nine insights, these secrets of spirituality, and it took place in Peru and in South America. And again, it was a fictionalized story, but it was absolutely positively created around bigger spiritual truths. And the first time that I read it was in high school, my junior year. And honestly, I didn't read it all the way through. I kind of had a bad habit, (laughs) still do to this day, of starting books and not always finishing them. But I have since reread that book at least three more times, and I've read the entire series. And James Redfield's book that was the nonfiction explanation of his journey to writing the the Celestine Prophecy was a huge, planted so many seeds within my consciousness for my dream of which Ripple 2020 is the most current sort of project that's trying to represent me trying to bring my dream, part of my dream into some sort of form and focus into the world. And it was absolutely inspired by James Redfield's work and specifically his, uh, I think it was called Living the Celestine Vision is the nonfiction book that he wrote. And so, you know, this guy, I almost said his name, and I've tried to be very careful about sharing people's names, uh, especially never sharing their full name unless I have permission. But this guy's birthday just passed, so he's on my mind. And the book never leaves my, is never far from my consciousness, The Celestine Prophecy and what it represents. In fact, it was made into a movie Um, that was directed by a guy named Barnett Bain. And Barnett Bain was involved in a movie called uh, What Dreams May Come that starred Cuba Gooding Jr. and Robin Williams. And, gosh, so many things in in my life, you know, everything, everything for me connects in my memories, because then that just jolted me back to when I first saw it, and I believe it came out in 1998, and I saw it in Australia, and I saw it with another guy that has had a huge influence on my life. This this American that I met in Australia when I was studying abroad, and I just saw him for the first time in 15 years uh, last May, so a, a year and a half ago. And I don't know, it's just very, very powerful, very powerfully shifting times right now. And I wanted to capture today 
a little bit of the lesser named influences on my journey. Because I tend to be strongly, strongly influenced. I've shared before. I've, you know, I lived vicariously through films, through certain television programs, through books, through storytelling. And in many ways, these things saved me, especially my adolescence, especially as I tried to navigate a very painful for me home life, um, especially during my high school years. And so storytelling and all the mediums of storytelling, they're just, they're huge influences as on, have been huge influences on my life, on my journey. And a lot of times, you know, those names associated with certain things um, in those genres and in those mediums tend to be, you know, names that all of us are familiar with and, you know, more quote unquote famous and well known, but that's not why they inspire me. And I kind of catch myself like yesterday I referenced, um, the three most recent Joe Rogan episodes that I had watched. And obviously, you know, eight out of 10 people on his show, maybe even nine out of 10 are well-known people. He, he does have some lesser known folks, but the three most recent shows I watched were very well-known people, a well-known athlete, a well-known, um, actor and a well-known musician, artist, musician. And, you know, what draws me to those things are not, not at all the celebrity or fame or wealth or any of that, not in any way, shape or form. It's the energy. It's the energy that always draws me in. It's the energy I always care about. And I am turned on by expansion and learning and uniqueness and creativity and authenticity and folks going after their dreams and tapping into the greatness that is within all of us. Unfortunately or fortunately, I mean, it just is what it is. It's not really fortunate or unfortunate, but that happens to be something that when we look across all of humanity, across the globe, people tapping into their greatness is still disproportionately reserved for those. See, it's not that it's reserved for certain people. It's, there's a high correlation between people that have experienced fame and wealth because they've tapped in to their greatness and their passions and their love of whatever it is that they're pursuing. There's a correlation there, not necessarily a causation. It's not necessarily saying that everybody that's famous or wealthy is doing something that perhaps should be modeled by others. But that is what draws me in. More than anything are those aforementioned characteristics and qualities and adjectives. I like, I want to live this life with passion. And I want to keep discovering. And I want to be doing that with others. And I'm dying for others in my life to take the same sort of leap that I took 10 years ago when I no longer could just settle for the unfulfilled nature of kind of being in that mundane, routine, working world. Now, I get it. A lot of people out there, I completely understand once folks begin to have families and they settle down, they need that stability and that regular income and, and all of those things. It's not at all about judging it, but for someone who doesn't have that as their reality, and for somebody who isn't being called or wasn't called by a specific focused profession or career, and for whom 
even looking at life that way never made sense. It means that oftentimes I'm, I feel like I've been sort of alone dancing with these ideas and this imagination. And it's like I'm revving my engine, just wanting to create with others. And I know with certainty that I am soon, very soon now, going to be crossing paths with others that desire that same sort of life. I know it, and I know that our world is shifting to allow others to be able to take that same sort of leap away from sort of that mainstream, more secure, stable path. I believe that with my heart and soul. And in the meantime, it is so beautiful to continue to see this greatness in everybody that I cross paths with. And it's the reason why I can watch the interview with Kanye West and Joe Rogan and see, despite the fact that the guy was all over the place, all over the place. Not only could I identify a lot with it, but it's not about being out there in the world looking for all the ways we can correct somebody or judge somebody or tell them why something's not going to work. It's training yourself to be out in the world and connecting and seeing the best parts of people. Now, it's not to ignore anything that might not be so great, but to just work to train ourselves more, to align with what we can agree upon, to align and get excited about the positive stuff, the good stuff, the happy stuff. And I see it in everybody. I always have since I was a little kid. I've always resonated and just naturally gone to that energy within people. And today, I just, on Mondays and Tuesday mornings, I start really early at the farm. Ugh, I've barely shared anything with the official podcast about the farm. But if you followed my YouTube channel or knew me at all, or have known me at all in the past 12 years, you're familiar with the farm. It is this organic farm here in Sarasota, located on five acres of property, and the hippie farmer has been growing organic produce for 40 years. He's the real deal, doing it long before it was the in thing to do, and people finally woke up to, hey, you know what? It matters what we put into our body. Hey, you know what? It matters how we treat this planet because it's kind of our home. It matters that these things are taken into consideration. And the farm has been this, it's not really love-hate because I don't, it's not hate that I feel towards it when I'm on the negative side of my experiences. It's frustration, but it's this intensely powerful place for me and has been and I keep trying to to leave it and spirit keeps bringing it back I finally accepted it for what it for what it is a year ago and you know because one of my I don't know I think it's a gift but but I have had to work with the with finding the balance of seeing the potential in something, but then not recognizing or accepting what it is in the moment. I'm always, I, I've always been focused more, and I'll put it this way, I've always given more weight to the potential, the potentiality of something at the expense of acknowledging it of where it is in the moment. I mean, that's what all, you know, all great teachers and coaches have that ability, right? I mean, that's, that's exactly what a teacher or a coach does. You know, if you're a coach of a team in a season, you see the potential of where your team can be by the end of the season. You clearly know where they're at at the beginning of the season, and you have that ability to guide that out of your team. And that, 
there hits another natural thing for me. I see potential everywhere. I love collaborating with groups. I love finding win-wins. I love harmonizing people and, and assets and things. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I want to be doing more of that selfishly because it's something I've, I've, I've always wanted to do more of. That's what I miss about my sports and I've missed it every day of my life. I miss playing sports because that is what, when you're a team sport person, as I was, that is what you do on the athletic field or on the court. You harmonize with your teammates as you collectively pursue a united vision. And I've struggled at the farm with this because there's a very different sort of work ethic as compared to, say, my world of Ironman. Very different, as you can imagine. You know, with some of the generalizations or stereotypes. I've talked in a previous podcast about, you know, Part of what I think these times are just welcoming us to do in this call to be more authentic is to just acknowledge the parts of us that align to certain stereotypes. You know, it's not to, 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 it's, they're, they're guideposts. They're, and until we can get better at not needing them and learning how to interact with one another as the unique creatures that we are, we're going to have to baby step a little bit. And we have to acknowledge that generalizations and stereotypes, they're not often created out of thin air. You know, they come from, from an observation of patterns. So it's just a matter of acknowledging, you know, when those certain, you know, when something meets the stereotype. And there are definitely some generalized stereotypes of, you know, I'll say the hippie, you know, hippies, farmers, we meet a lot of them at the farm. And because I always say I'm on everybody's team and I'm on nobody's team, I never fully fit in anywhere. So I come in with like my mix of Iron Man energy and academia energy and just all my, all my uniqueness, but yet I see the potential of what it can be. However, Our farmer is old school, old school. Change does not come easy. And when I say you cannot possibly imagine, most people cannot even imagine a character like our farmer, like truly cannot do it words of how unique this guy is. And it's beautiful, but it can be maddening. And he also tends to attract employees and and people that work there he sort of surrounds himself with a similar sort of frequency and again these are beautiful big-hearted people but the work ethic is just a little different than what you know than what my wiring is and what I'm more most comfortable doing so for years I was focused too much on the potential, wasn't really accepting it for what it was. And finally, a year ago, it just kind of walloped me. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? This place ain't going to change. He is not going to change. He's 73 years old. You need to finally just be grateful, which I am, because my spiritual awakening had happened in no small part because of the tremendously powerful, beautiful, positive influence this farm and all the people in the farm community that I have met across the years, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't had those experiences and met those people, not even freaking close. So I have nothing but gratitude and appreciation. But I really wanted a chance to sort of evolve, you know, evolve, help it evolve, evolve with it, with the group and sort of provide it something that it really doesn't have, which is an expressed vision or leadership. He's a plant guy. He talks to the plants. He's an earth guy. The farmer, the owner is not a people guy. He's an earth guy, but I'm a people person. So I just kept dreaming really that I could find a way 
where we could just evolve the business. And I use that part of it in quotations because it, unfortunately, if the business isn't in existence, I think all the, no one's going to be able to work for free. We're not in those times quite yet. So we got to keep the business alive and the business has been struggling. Then the virus hit. I lost my Ironman work and the farm got a boost. Short-term boost, but it got a boost. And the farm is in town and we were all restricted to our home. So, and it needed, it needed an extra hand. And so here I found myself back at the farm. And I just, one of my favorite people in the whole world is there with me on Monday and Tuesday mornings. We have an online market now that started as a result of the virus. And I'm the only one that operates, if you will, this little, you know, the online part of our little operation. And so Sunday night, I do the inventory after we close down our market to the public for the weekend. And I come home and I update everything on the website. And then Monday and Tuesday, people place orders to either pick up at the farm or for delivery in town. And this one guy, he's a 69-year-old guy that is seriously top three. He's one of my top three favorite people on the whole planet. And interacting with his energy, I don't, we don't even have to say a word. And he is, he's, you should, this guy is unbelievably fit. He does yoga every day. He is absolutely a yogi, like this absolute enlightened master. But he is so remarkably humble, unbelievably so. I would argue he's too humble because I try to tell him all the time, do you, like he does not see he, he constantly puts himself down and he is a genius. He's a genius, but he's not. He grew up in an orphanage in Philadelphia. He was a Hare Krishna. He, he's this black guy who is still terrified of being a black guy in Sarasota. Doesn't like driving around at night. He's just, and he's unbelievably self-educated. Unbelievably self-educated. And I love talking spirit with him and metaphysics. And I mean, I can go to the highest levels of my out there talking and he is right there with me. And it's just magic. It's magic. And I'm, it's such a funny time now because my entire being knows that we're in this crucial choice point absolutely every single human right now is being faced with a choice. Do you want to still play and be a part of co-creating and be a part of the existence in the fear-based world? Or do you want to play and be part of co-creating a completely different version of reality here on this planet? One based in spirit, love, cooperation, and abundance. And that new game, that's definitely where I'm going. I know it. I've been dreaming of this for this entire life. I am, I've been preparing for it very specifically now for eight years. I didn't know that this was going to happen. I mean, no one that's been working on the spiritual path for decades, back in the 60s, right? That's when they talked about the age of Aquarius and this shift. I mean, people have been talking about and waiting for this for a long time. And as soon as that virus hit in March, I remember looking at my neighbor who is of the same generation as the farmer, as this gentleman I just referenced, as my parents, she's the same generation in her and her husband, who's now been deceased for 10 years, they wrote spiritual books. He was a bona fide Native American chief. They've been, her whole life has been dedicated to this work. There's a whole beautiful story I can share on the absolute, not accidental occurrence of me ending up living in a home two doors down from her. I mean, 
there's no doubt in either one of our minds and our hearts that we were brought together by this one energy on behalf of this greater work. And I remember when we looked at each other, when this all hit in March, and we're like, could this, could this be it? I mean, because we knew it, it had to be. Shutting down the world. The whole world is being shut down. It's not just in our country. It's not just like a isolated, you know, experience of something traumatic and devastating happening to a com- country like a 9-11, which was isolated just to America. This was global. And we knew instantly that this was different. And, I mean, she probably a lot more so than me because she's been doing this work for longer than I've been alive. And part of this magnificent shift is we get to finally choose, if you want to, to slow down engage in your life, actually do what you want to do instead of what you feel you need to do. But that is not an easy shift to make. Not even for those of us who have been working for it and aware of it our whole lives. I've known my whole life I didn't fit into the mainstream. I've struggled my whole life fitting into that world. And I have known without doubt for the past 10 years of what I wanted to be a part of in creating the new version of Earth. And I knew with certainty that I I, I finally wasn't looking outside of myself for the permission to just live and finally pursue that for myself. But it's been lonely because very few people, I've shared this before too, It's a completely different game. But on the surface, you would never know, especially if you're on the surface and you're still treating it like the mainstream world, especially the fast-paced mainstream world now, where everybody tells you, you better summarize it in two sentences. Well, you better have a website and social media. Well, you know, all these things that, no, no. Because it's not about rushing and building something that's outside of me, massively outside of me. It's about sharing more with others of our deepest inside and the uniqueness of us and slowing down and establishing these real, genuine connections and then taking that out into the world. It's a different game. But you don't know unless you slow down and take time and ask questions. And that's not been something that I have found hardly at all in 10 years. Not even once I got on the other side. In the beginning, I understood. I've shared this as well. I knew that my actions were scaring the shit out of everybody close to me. I knew it. I knew they all thought I went crazy. I knew what it looked like on the surface. But I also knew, like I had never known anything before, what was guiding me. And I, I just, but nobody, nobody, nobody asked. Nobody asked me to try to even attempt to explain it. Nobody close to me. And it's not something that you can explain. But I've shared pieces, so many pieces of work with like one-off pieces, with family members, with friends. And never, truly, I'm not looking for pats on the back or, or there aren't any expectations. But Increasingly, I'm going to start sharing more specific things tied to specific people, like memories and inspirational feelings and, and how people have affected me and how I dream. There are so many people from my past that I dream of playing with in this new game where we're not constricted by the rules of the old game 
where we're not trying to play, you know, within a hierarchy of our employers, you know, where, you know, we've got to exist between the lines. Your role is here on the hierarchy. You can't, you know, like I I just, it's just so limiting. But the reality is, is that it, it, they're becoming mutually exclusive. It really is. You're going to either have to get on this train or on this train. And you can't be on both trains. And I've kind of known this for all these years. I mean, I've experienced it. Not only have I known it, I've experienced losing touch with people that I never dreamed I would, wouldn't be a part of my life. People that I love and have loved so deeply people that I respect and admire, but it's just gotten harder and harder and harder to connect with people, and least of which because of all these separating things that the forces out in in that old mainstream world that those systems and that world is collapsing right now. And, And there were... Very coherent efforts being, you know, controlling the masses. A very small number of people. When you look at the globe's population, it boils down to a very small number of the most elite of the elite. The ones with the money and the power and the influence and the control. Absolutely, positively have been conditioning humanity. And it's a hard thing to pull out of. And it's hard mostly because it means you have to take full. Now it's time. Step up. I mean, just imagine it in terms of a job and how much you rely on your employer, you know, least of which, you know, for the actual money of it, but just in designing something for which you work and all the layers of what that is. And that's one of the reasons when, and who just popped into my mind is when I first started to really comprehend the journey that lay ahead of me was when I, I got to know one of my cousins as an adult, when I first moved to Seattle And he was always one of my favorite cousins because he was an artist. And I have always looked up to, and again, the the word artist was sort of constricted in my mind. It was very constricted, very restricted to, like, if you sang music, if you wrote songs, if you played an instrument, if you did paintings and drawings, it was like it. You know, like I never saw myself as an artist on the basketball court or on the soccer field or when in actuality, absolutely, athletics is an art as well. We're all artists, but I, he was one of my favorite cousins. And when I first moved out to Seattle, it was one of my first nights. It was one of my first nights in the town and certainly in my first week. And I was staying at my childhood best friend's house for the first month until I got settled. And he lived, which was out in one of the suburbs. And he lived in, in not right in the heart of downtown, but he lived like, you know, three miles from downtown. He was kind of in all... You could just feel all the energy. And that was my first time really connecting with him as an adult and seeing his, all of his work. Like not only seeing all of his paintings and his pottery and his, I mean, you know, everywhere in his his living space, but seeing all the work he had to do to try to make a living to sell those items. Everything on Etsy and all the, so you know, all the work. Not, he couldn't, he wasn't able to just focus on the art. He had to focus on the business as well. And it was all up to him. Doing the work, attracting the opportunity to sell the work, like all of it. And I was, I was blown away. I was, I was stupefied by, I always knew how talented he was, but I, honest to God, had no idea how hard artists and anybody going against the mainstream, how hard they had to work to make ends meet. I never, ever had a clue until that particular night. And that was a 
a little glimpse into the, my own future because I have, I ended up doing and I'm doing the exact same thing unique to my specific sort of artistic expressions. And most notably in my extremely unique approach to work and seeing very clearly this this model of work that allows us all to essentially be our own LLCs and to each go out there and represent ourselves and work with one another when all we have to do is negotiate with one another and represent what I, I don't have to run anything up any flagpole. I don't have to run anything by anybody. I speak for me and I stand by what I speak. And going out in the world and being able to interact with others who have that same freedom to speak for themselves with their own company, now you're talking about efficiency. You know, now we can begin to be a hell of a lot more effective and efficient, in my opinion, because there's so much wasted in all the middle shit. And this particular cousin... And what I observed in his work and how he had made it by this time for almost two decades post-college doing this. And all I wanted to do was help him. And of course, I, I didn't have anything really to contribute. I was barely, you know, I'm barely hanging on financially myself. And it, it reminds me of, you know, people that, yes, there are some people out there that love pushing buttons and that very much enjoy getting a rise out of others. And it's unfortunate that anybody that goes against any sort of path, any, any sort of established path, gets thrown in with those folks. Because I would believe that the vast majority of people that go against the stream are not trying to upset anybody else. They can't help it especially if they're dialed into their own truth and their own uniqueness and they're simply trying to honor themselves. They're not trying to piss anybody else off. And I always get frustrated with the folks out there that do enjoy purposely upsetting others and pushing buttons because they make it that much harder for those that, you know, may make similar decisions but aren't making those decisions for the same reasons. And you don't know any of this. You don't know people's real intentions and motives and reasoning unless you sit down and you talk with them. And that just triggered when I first launched my company. I've shared that I utilize 0% credit. My own, I had excellent, outstanding, near-perfect credit when I launched my company of me in 2013. And I knew for a fact that I wasn't going to get funding without watering down my vision, which I could barely put into words. If I had to, I couldn't put it into words. So there was no way I was going to walk into a bank or any traditional sort of funding without having to drastically affect the vision that I saw. I had to figure out a way to do it on my own. Now, no, was it real money? No, it was credit, but it was my damn credit. And do you know... The way I was treated, not only by the systems, but by everybody around me. You would have thought that I went out to the mall and put myself into that debt on a giant shopping spree. Or like I took a journey around the world on some ginormous vacation. Or that I went out to Vegas and invited 10 of my closest friends and partied for a weekend. And I'm not trying to pass judgment on anybody who does any of those things. But that's a very, very different set of circumstances on how somebody gets into debt. I had never had any debt. I had never carried a credit card balance until I launched my company. And I had a plan and I was working the plan. And I stand so far on that other side of that right now. And you better believe I'm going to own that with tremendous pride. Because I did it. And I can't even, I still can't imagine what I did. And I did it with no support from outside of me. And I got it. I understood. 
You know? Well, no, I didn't. I actually, the truth is, I didn't. I do now. And I wanted to understand, like intellectually, I understood why people were reacting, or in this case, not at all reacting. But my heart never understood it. I never understood it. How I, it, it, and it's, and that is a very common experience I've since learned for anybody that leaps into following spirit and following something, a vision that they cannot put their finger on or explain. They've got to just keep living it. If you got to, you, you can't. And what I realized is that's why I talked as much as I did for as long as I did. That's why I talked as fast as I did. That's why I never, you know, I somebody would ask a question and an hour later they'd get the answer with eight different intersecting stories. Because I was trying to explain it rather than just live it. And I was looking and waiting for something outside of me to see what I, I could feel so clearly and see so clearly in my mind's eye. And finally, upon my point of no return spiritual awakening, that was when I finally gave myself permission to just do it. Stop talking. It is real. And guess what? You're kind of one of the only few in form right now that there aren't many of you out in form yet that can see it. That's the whole point of the awakening. And that is what's happening right now. Every day, more and more people are waking up. We haven't been told the whole truth. We've been controlled. We've been, our lives have been constricted. And I've said before, if you're, if you've been living an extremely happy, fulfilled life within those constrictions, that is so wonderful and fantastic and amazing. I don't want that to change. I don't intend to judge anybody for that. But there are so many out there that weren't and aren't. And now is the time, folks. Now's the time like never before. But you have to choose it. You have to choose it. And it's a journey that must begin within. That's the beauty of this virus. It forced us all to go within if you took the opportunity. If you want to continue to stay focused on the outside and blame and blame and blame, and there's a difference between acknowledging the external forces that are controlling our our life of form and blaming them and believing that they can continue to limit you. But you don't begin to sort it out and really see and feel the light until you delve within yourself and recognize that everything we're experiencing is a reflection of ourselves. Every person you interact, even the ones you despise and hate, they're reflecting a part of you. Just like the ones that you love and admire. We are all connected. And it's just, it's just interesting for me because here I am just a couple days away from getting back on introducing this project. And this project, more or less, and I said that in the last episode... It is to meet the world where it is as of today, within the systems and using the tools of the world as it still stands on October 26, 2020. But man, 100% of me believes that that world is fast changing and may never even resemble. We might not even need these tools and things in the very near future because I believe things are going to be shifting that dramatically in the upcoming weeks and months. But I also know that this is going to be one hell of a transition process. And everybody is all across the spectrum. And there are people for whom that old system, that old way, they're going to grip onto it, they're going to want to stay in it, and that is A-OK. 
but I am always about harmonizing as many different voices and bringing together as many different characters as possible and finding a way for all that uniqueness to harmonize and pursue a shared vision. That is my dream. I don't like homogenization. <laughs> That's why I go into environments and I'm accepted as if I'm one of them, but within a couple years, I'm kind of like, okay, time to move on. Because most groupings, then they get in their ruts and they surround themselves with other people that are exactly like them and think like them. And, and you know, and change is hard, so people don't really like change. But that's just not how I'm wired. That's why the Iron Man world, I loved it, especially the contractor side. You, oh my God, the cast of characters in the contracting world of events is very similar to the cast of characters that I've come across on the farm in a lot of ways. Uniqueness of character and tapping into and honoring the differences and not judging and hating one another for our differences. Finding a way to harmonize and find a unifying vision harmonizing our different aspects and going out in the world and sharing, meeting a need, sharing that energy. It's, it's what I'm about. And I'm not quite sure. I mean, this is another little mini leap of faith because as I've shared before, this project is a co-creative project. The idea is in place. I've, I've got the pieces and the framework and I've, you know, and I've got a lot of the filling in of it. But as I've said before, I'm intending to raise $4 million by $1 increments. I need the participation, albeit minimal participation, by 4 million unique human beings in order for this project to demonstrate and show what I feel and have imagined it can show. It has the potential to be and show. So... These are just my last few days of pep talks. It's why, you know, Matthew McConaughey, dude is inspiring, man. I love that guy. He is so inspiring. Joe Rogan inspires the shit out of me because he's real and because he's got this platform, you know, this, this converse, these long conversations with people that give you an opportunity to feel who they are, not the soundbite, not what some studio wants them to say, not what some reporter needs for some, you know, to try to get the best story with the most clicks and the most likes. Real, authentic, doesn't apologize. Leave yourself open for, yeah, oh shit, I, I did say that. I did think that. I did believe that. But then I got some more information and yeah, I, you know, I don't think that anymore or I don't believe that or I'm sorry that I, you know, that I passed along or was the conduit of something that, you know, wasn't entirely true. Like, let us be human beings. Let us be perfect in our imperfections. Stop hiding and trying to cover up the not-so-pretty parts, the not-so-pretty parts are just as beautiful. A lot of times they're even more beautiful than the beautiful parts. And if we can just allow and give one another more space to just be our whole selves. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, I'll continue to talk to myself. Well, my cats. God knows these guys here all of this, a lot of times they come right up to me when I'm recording or when I'm listening to one, my own recording. But I'll continue to play in my own little world of Allie. I've got no trouble doing that. And like I said, once this is put out publicly, that's what my soul needed to do before I could be. I, I needed to get out what my capabilities allow me to do. I am an extremely capable woman who has had a pretty big life, you know, on the spectrum. I mean, certainly not as big as, as many others that I've met. Certainly not. But I've, tr I've been around. I've crossed paths. I've walked the halls of these big places and big energy places and, and big minds. And, and I just, I have to put something together that takes advantage of all of my gifts 
with my dream to use that in a way that serves humanity, that doesn't serve a company or a corporation or the almighty dollar. It serves humanity. That's what Ripple 2020 is intended to be. And if it falls on its face, then I get to go hide in the mountains and create stories of fiction, play with the animals and, and, and nature, which, you know, again, not, not exactly what I, I, I dream. I mean, I really want to co-create with other human beings, but if that's what I'm intended to do, to just share some things here and then disappear in the mountains, well, pff, I will be absolutely okay with that because I adore nature and animals. And now that I finally met peace within myself and balance within myself, I don't need the outside stuff. I want it, but I don't need it. And the world, the outside world seems to be calling for these things that I want to give, but you got to be ready to do the work and to make different choices. And the honest truth is most humans I'm coming across don't seem to want to make the choices and do the work. They still want to argue and fight and play the us versus them them game. And look at the differences and focus on that rather than, you know, focusing on the abundance and the love and the cooperation and making this enjoyable and fun and beautiful because it can be. And trust me, a peaceful world is not drama free. We're still human beings. A peaceful world will still have plenty of drama because we can't just snap overnight and, and completely change our civilization. You know, there's a big transitional, beautiful transitional period that lays ahead of us. And I'll continue to hone in the skills that I have to try to meet those needs out in the world. But I'm not going to force anybody. I'm not going to debate or argue with anybody. Everybody gets to still make. That's the beauty of being human. Free will. You get to still make your own choices. It bothers me that the small number of people I referenced before have manipulated the information to such a good degree and that we've been lied to. And I really think there's enough evidence out in the world across all these sections of society for many decades that has proven that. But it's an uncomfortable thing when, especially if you've trusted institutions and leaders, you know, for the older generations where there was a lot more integrity in the 50s. They're not much, there's, <laughs> integrity is a thing that is integrity and honesty and, and trust. I mean, these, these are things that have, you know, in no small way been, been missing to a large extent in our world. And so it bothers me that I don't think we're being given all the proper information to make an educated decision, but I can't force somebody to believe that. And it's not my interest to do that. But I definitely need to be a voice. I think the choices that are, we're being asked to make right now are crucial. And they're, ex- they're extremely important. And your well-being and your life, it, it is at stake. So I just continue to encourage people, try to keep an open mind and follow the motive. I mean, that's what you do. Follow the money. Follow the motive. The reality is the people that most people that have been in positions of power and influence and money, their motives are not necessarily, you know, not everybody, but there's a lot of impurity. There's a lot of manipulation and, and, and omissions taking place. And you begin to feel that in your heart, the more connected you get as a result of going within and finding out who you really are within, but remembering that we're all connected and we're all in this together. So there's some stream of consciousness chatting, a little bit disconnected, but I promised myself that I would do episode 13.4 in honor of, like I said, one of my greatest teachers in the past recent years. Uh, painful, a lot of painful lessons with this particular person, but 
um, tremendous connection, soul connection and love as well. And um, I'm open to how and if the path is supposed to cross again with that energy. And in the meantime, I have nothing but gratitude and appreciation for all the energies that I referenced in today's episode. For you all, we're in my forefront of my mind today. And um, I love you all. And we'll never forget any of you. So thank you for listening if you stuck through. And um, have a great rest of your day. Take care.